Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Good morning. Not plugged in properly. Good morning. Don't, don't even. It's too too early, man. I I almost Logan Roy'd you right there. I'm late. Get the hell out of here. Six six fifty seven. The irony of the remark. Uh, Uh huh. Uh huh. I don't know if that's really irony, actually. I still never know. Thanks to Atlanta's Morissette. Well, that was a disturbing way to start the day. Surprise, surprise. Chris Sims on assignment today. Miles Simmons once again up at 4 a.m. local time in Los Angeles to pitch in for PFT Live. Don't get used to this or maybe do get used to it. I don't know. Sources close to me tell me you may have to get used to it, but that's for another day. For this day, I say good morning Thank you. And I don't mean that just in a perfunctory, that's what you have to say way. I genuinely and authentically mean from the bottom of my heart, from the deepest well of my being, you can tell I'm full of shit. Thank you, (laughs) Miles, for joining us this morning. Yeah. Well, once you started saying from the deepest part of my heart, like, which I know doesn't necessarily exist, then I'm like, uh oh, this is, this is just not necessarily true. <laughs> no, no, why, 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 do, why do we have to go there? Why do we have to go there? This or especially the one, you're at 4.02 a.m. Pacific time. You're the one. You're the one who went there, my friend. Okay. You, you said that. You, you started off there. I mean, it's not my fault. I didn't do it. You you just opened the door and I just walked right on through. That's I guess that's just the way we're going to start this Wednesday morning. I, I I'm I'm wide awake by the time I get up here. I mean sometimes I have some remnants of sleep and I try to post a story between six and six thirty a.m. local time just to kind of get the juices flowing and get me ready for the show. But to the extent that I wasn't fully awake when I came up the stairs to my office which is perched above the garage at our house there's a small window that i always kind of look out just just i it's just force a habit there's a a window with a screen and and just you know i see the barn i see the yard i'll see if there are any deer out there one one morning there was a car parked (laughs) for some reason in our backyard which is a different story altogether but today i i would jumped there was a Big, and it probably still is there a big-ass praying mantis. I guess this is praying mantis season because I've seen two of them this week. But it was upside down on the window. And those things are huge. Mm-hmm. And and the window's not very big. And so I saw that, and I just kind of – that kind of, like, makes your heart skip a beat. Like, things you don't expect to see, a praying mantis's ass at, you know, 6.55 a.m. on a Wednesday. So that that removed any – remaining sleep that may have otherwise affected me. So that was my introduction to the morning. So it can only go up from there. Being scared by a praying mantis. I was going to say, I think you sat down in the chair and I'm here instead of Chris Sims. So it's like, it's just a bunch of things you don't usually see on a Wednesday morning. 
but but I but I knew I had advance notice. They told me at eleven o'clock last night that you would be here. So at least I was able to sleep well, knowing that I, I knew Chris was going to be gone. I think I found that out yesterday morning. You know, it's funny how I don't know whether I like. I, am I some sort of a tyrant that I'm going to yell and scream? Like I don't find things out until the very end. Like nobody wants to tell me. Like like who's going to tell him? that Chris isn't going to be here tomorrow. Well, I, you know, somebody needs to because I'm going to show up tomorrow and he's not going to be here. So I kind of drew it out of Chris. Like when we were in Canton, I'm saying all week, hey, we're going to be in Canton the rest of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And, and Chris never said to me, oh, by the way, I'm not going to be here Friday. I'm leaving early morning back for New York. It's like, you can tell me. It's not like I'm going to It's not like I'm gonna punch you, especially not Chris. I mean, grab my hand and break it right off if he wanted to. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You probably shouldn't antagonize him because it's not like, you know, somebody that you could get down on your knees and then still be taller than in order to punch. That's an inside joke. That that is that is. And I don't even know that's not an inside. That's that's a that's a deep inside because yesterday Sims and I were talking about the fact that we have some running bits that if you don't watch the show, you don't know what we're talking about. And our position is it's on you to watch the show. We're not going to explain it every time it happens. This one is a true inside joke that will be left on the inside. Yep. At least for now. But the day is young. All right. Uh, again, thanks, Miles. Seriously, seriously. I, I don't know that I can do it at this point. I can't pull it off and say, seriously, thank you for getting up early. And uh, let's get to it. We are merely 15 days away from the start of the countdown clock is is already there. One of these days I'll learn that this is, is did I get it right that time? Oh, I got it right. There's Hey-o. the countdown clock. Uh Bills at Rams, Thursday night, yeah. September 8, not far from Miles. Uh probably only takes about 4 hours for him to drive to the stadium <laughs> from where he lives. And uh, uh so so off we go. And and a lot of great games to start week 1. Right out of the gates, the Steelers are at the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. And Miles, uh, as the Steelers wrap up their preseason this weekend, with anything but a perfunctory final preseason game where they empty the benches, here's Mike Tomlin talking about how important the home game against the Hard Knocks darlings, the Detroit Lions, will be to setting the final lineup. Man, a lot of spots going to come down to this work. Um, this work is weighted differently and appropriately so. The in-stadium work is significant, and increasingly so the more stadium exposure you get. And so make no mistake, this is a significant game for a lot of people. Is one of those positions that comes down to this week the, the starting quarterback job? Yes. Oh, yes. Mitchell Trubisky's job to lose, and he still may lose it to Kenny Pickett, the 20th overall pick in the draft. And look, when they installed Pickett at number three on the depth chart, I was reminded of Ryan Tannehill 10 years ago in Miami. He was number three on the depth chart when training camp began, and by the time the regular season started, he was number one. You don't want to create the impression that the new guy is having anything handed to him. That's not a small hands joke, although now it is. You don't want to alienate people in the locker room who may think that the guy who's there, Mitchell Trubisky, is better. You want to let the guy earn it, and maybe he will. Maybe he is. If he outplays Mitchell Trubisky on Saturday, I think the game is, Lions at Steelers, who knows? Then they have two weeks. I think it's Sunday. Then they have exactly two weeks to figure out who the starting quarterback will be for the trip to Cincinnati. So I thought it was definitely going to be Trubisky. And Chris Sims makes the point, Miles, that, you know, you got some tough opponents right out of the gates, got some pretty good defenses. Do you really want to throw Kenny Pickett to the Wolves? But you know what? The Steelers' attitude is our best guys are going to play. And if Pickett's their best option, if that's what Mike Tomlin believes, he's going to play him. Absolutely he will. And look, I there are probably very few coaches that I would trust to make any decision when it comes to their football team more than Mike Tomlin. You know, I mean, that list is very, very short, maybe like two to three coaches 
But I think when you're talking about a quarterback competition, it's not necessarily something he's had to go through. And so now when we've seen Mitchell Trubisky a little bit, we've seen Kenny Pickett a little bit, I don't think any of us anticipated that Mason Rudolph would be a serious part of this competition. It doesn't necessarily appear like he is. Um, I think Kenny Pickett's done some good things out there in these preseason games that we've been able to see. I don't really love putting too much stock into preseason games, but one of the things that Mike Tomlin was talking about even before last week's game was seeing a live pass rush and how that can affect things for Kenny Pickett and how he wanted to get a more, a quote, varsity action. And I think Pickett did a good job of showing that he can handle some of those things. There's a play that I assume we're going to see at some point where he had a guy come right, it's actually right there. He's a guy right in his face. And boom, he throws it down the field to Pat Fryermuth. And I love Pat Fryermuth. I think he's going to be one of these emerging tight ends that we'll continue to talk about. But when you see Pickett able to do that, handle the pass rush, and yet still deliver that accurate ball, that's got to say to Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, hey, man, I I think he might be able to handle this if we really give it to him. Processing information quickly, making decisions authoritatively, getting rid of the football. Look, Ben Roethlisberger made a career out of bailing out of the pocket and running left and right, and it worked for him. But I suspect the Steelers find it refreshing if they could have fall into their laps a guy who can make his reads and get rid of the ball without giving everyone a heart attack as he decides to rumble left, rumble right, and maybe get injured, maybe throw a completion, maybe do God knows what. When you have somebody who's going to run the offense the way that it's drawn up and stand in there and not not try to get out of the way of a hit, go ahead and maybe take a hit from time to time. Now, look, you don't want your quarterbacks to get hit because the more they get hit, the more they get hurt. But that would help pick it. And I've heard Tomlin say things recently that hearkened back to some of the things he said earlier as to what he was looking for from Pickett. And Pickett is just checking off those boxes of the Mike Tomlin cliches. And I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to what Pickett does this weekend. But based on what we've seen, there's no reason to think that all of a sudden he's just going to not be the guy that he's on track to be. And it won't surprise me if he ends up being the week one starter when the Steelers go to Cincinnati. And, and uh, as a result of all of that, um, the offensive rookie of the year odds are fascinating to me because George Pickens has become the darling of Steelers camp. And as I've said before, it's impossible for anyone to really stand out in Steelers camp because it's the epitome of team, not me. But Pickens has still found a way to bust out of that St. Vincent's in, Saint, in, in Latrobe, PA bubble but right now Pickens has gone from a 50 to 1 long shot to be the offensive rookie of the year he's now eight and a half to one ahead of Pickett who was five to one and is down to nine to one I think if it's that close I think if the performance actually would put both guys in the running the quarterback probably gets it because he's going to be throwing the ball to other people than George Pickett's and, and that's yes. one of the reasons why you never see a receiver as the league MVP. It's always the quarterback who's serving it up for him. So I think that right now, Pickett, to me, would be the better bet than Pickens, Miles. Well, I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough with the Steelers is just how good that complement of weapons is. I mean, we're talking about George Pickens, but they also have Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Friermuth, who I was talking about earlier, Najee Harris, like... If you're going to insert a rookie quarterback into any situation, an offensive line notwithstanding, this is a really good complement of weapons for somebody to have if you're going to come in there and be a rookie quarterback and presumably have some sort of training wheels on and try to win games. But, you know, if you're throwing to George Pickens, too, I mean, my gosh, that dude is really impressive, the body control that he has. I mean, the sideline catch there, you had that end zone catch that he had against the the Seahawks. Like, there are some really impressive things that he has done. And so if he has that chemistry that he's been establishing with Pickett already, like, yo, they could be a really dangerous duo. And at the end of the day, look, I know the Steelers aspire – to win every Super Bowl. And for them, it's not just hollow talk to fill the stadium. They really want to win the Super Bowl every single year. They are going to put the best possible players on the field. But at the same time, 
they have seen a mild dip in attendance. They have seen a dip in local TV ratings. They need a little excitement for the franchise, and I think that's why they drafted, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why they drafted Kenny Pickett. You know, they had Dan Marino right there in 1983, eight years before Miles was born, which is very depressing, but they had Dan Marino right there, hometown kid, not just went to Pitt, grew up in Pittsburgh, played high school football in Pittsburgh, and they didn't take him because they they thought they had a lot more years with Terry Bradshaw. They had a grand total of one more game with Bradshaw because he had elbow problems. So... This is a way to to really excite and energize. And if it's close, how do you not put Pickett out there? The only downside, Miles, and this is where the safer approach for a, co- a coach is, to go with the veteran because it's easier to go from the veteran to the rookie. You can't go from the rookie to the veteran. They can't have another Terry Bradshaw gets benched for – Terry Hanratty, Joe Gillum, or whoever else they happen to have around. And and it takes Terry Bradshaw five years to figure out how to play because they're constantly jerking him in and out of the lineup. Once you go with Kenny Pickett, he's your guy. And I, I could see a temptation to, ah, let's see what we can do with Trubisky, but, but what's, your, what's your end game? You get yourself into a Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance situation where your rookie sits the whole year. I don't think they want him to sit the whole year. So, and I think they're going to be better than people realize. So whoever they put in that spot is going to end up probably staying in that spot because I think they're going to, they got the defense, they got the weapons, as you said, that quarterback isn't likely going to fail. It's more likely he gets injured. And that's, you know, what's happened to Trubisky from time to time, not just flop and get benched. Well, you know, the funny thing you talk about, like jerking a guy in and out of the lineup, we know, we know who's on their coaching staff, right? I know he's on the defensive side, but Brian Flores is on that coaching staff. So I don't necessarily think he's going to be making quarterback decisions, but, you know, we're talking about guys getting jerked in and out of the lineup. That's where my mind immediately goes to the Miami Dolphins and to a tongue of Iloa and Brian Flores. But I, I do think that you're right. And, you know, the one thing that you can say about playing a rookie quarterback early is that he may have some growing pains, but those growing pains early may turn into like actual gains later on in the season. And so if Pickett goes out there, you know, maybe he doesn't have the best debut against Cincinnati. Well, he's going to have that in his memory bank and that experience is going to be learned. So, you know, when he goes out and plays Cincinnati the second time later on in the season, he's going to be better off for it probably. So that's where, I don't know. I mean, I understand why they would want to go with Trubisky if they wanted to, you know, and say like, yeah, we'll get the experienced guy out there. We'll see what he can do. And then eventually when we feel more comfortable or if Trubisky falters, whatever it happens to be, then we'll put in Pickett. But like I, at this point, I don't know. I, I, I understand why they would go either way. And I'm just going to trust Mike Tomlin with the decision. And I think that he's going to be right, whatever he does, because he's one of the best head coaches in the league. It's a never-ending debate. What do you do with a young quarterback, a first-rounder? There's an expectation he's going to play sooner than later. And I've evolved to the point, Miles, where in, in this day and age, with the way that the rookie wage scale is constructed and how cheap right. it is to use that first-round pick on a guy that, that can, in theory, make an impact and you want to get the most out of him before you have to pay him after three years, I... I I think that if you use the first-round pick on a quarterback, you better be ready to play him. And if you don't think you're ready to play him, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Draft somebody else who can come in and make an impact and draft the quarterback when you're ready to play him, not a moment earlier. And I know Aaron Rodgers sat for three years. That was a very unique and strange situation that somehow worked out. The Trey Lance-Jimmy Garoppolo thing was very unique and strange and different. And typically, I would say... If you're using a first-round pick on a quarterback, then you've already decided you're going to play him. He, he still needs to earn it in the locker room. That was one of the concerns Sims had about the Panthers maybe taking Kenny Pickett. He was convinced that if Pickett shows up and starts throwing passes and Sam Darnold's throwing passes, the players are going to be saying, well, hi, Kenny, nice seeing you, but Sam Darnold's the better quarterback. So you need, you need to have a competition that you think the guy you draft can win, and I, I – it feels like it's moving in that direction for the Steelers. And and it just it seems like the right call. And like you said, 
you start playing games, you start accumulating that bank of experience. You're better. By the time that we get to December, January, maybe February for the Steelers, who knows? He's not a rookie anymore. Mm-hmm. And you're all the better suited next year. When you have a guy who played his entire rookie year versus a guy who sat there and watched, you're so much better off with the guy who played. So I, I, I just think that it makes sense at this point. We've seen enough from Kenny Pickett, and we'll see some more Sunday. But unless, again, he just completely fails, I think he'll be the guy. And you mentioned Brian Flores. It's easy to forget that one of the best coaches in the NFL is now an assistant on the staff of one of the best coaches in the NFL. And I've said this time again, I haven't checked the odds lately, but it stunned me to no end to see the Steelers at 10-1 to 1 in the AFC North. The longest shot among the Ravens, Bengals, and Browns. Okay, write them off. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's exactly what they want. It plays into their hands. They got Tomlin. They got Flores. They got a great defense led by T.J. Watt. They got Najee Harris ready to... I think explode this year if he stays healthy. You got the weapons you talked about earlier in the in the passing game. Uh, the only question mark is quarterback, but the rest of the team is so good, it's not as critical as it would be anywhere else. I, I think they're going to be just fine this year, and I think they love the fact that so many people are like, eh, the Steelers are down, and they're probably going to stay down for a while. Well, the, it sort of reminds me of the Patriots last year in a lot of ways, except with better weapons on offense, right? And I think, you know, we could say that there we have some better top-tier talent on defense too, right? I mean, I don't know what necessarily expectations were for the Patriots coming into last year. I can't quite remember. I mean, I think I picked them to make the playoffs, but look, they had a guy in Mac Jones that they drafted and then they put him out there and he was able to pilot the offense pretty successfully. And, you know, you're talking about, well, when that, once that guy gets that bank of experience, he's better off going into year two. I don't know how much better off Mac Jones is with his current offensive coaching situation, but that's another story. I think Pickett is going to be in a great spot based on the weapons that he's got, based on the coaching that he's got, you know, not just for right now, but then down the road, if he does start playing. So yeah, I, look, there are a lot of reasons to say, okay, well, the Steelers, I don't know. I mean, you know, they've got quarterbacks who I don't necessarily have the most faith in, whether it's Trubisky or whether it's Pickett. We got to see, we got to do this, we got to do that. I think you're right that they love being written off. You know, people all the time talk about straw men and, you know, Brady a few years ago was like, everybody says we suck and we can't win any games. People are actually kind of saying that about the Steelers. And they can say that at their own peril. I think, you know, teams in the AFC North probably understand that the Steelers are not going to be a pushover. I think teams around the league probably understand that as well. But, you know, if we in the media want to say like, yeah, Steelers, eh, like they're going to be just fine with that. They'll put that thing on the bulletin board and Mike Tomlin will have them ready to go. What did they do last year? Week one, going to Buffalo, the Bills, the recipients of all the hype. And they went in there and they caught him flat-footed and they beat them. So the Bengals, it's weird. It's just I can't get used to it after 50 years of being a football fan in and around Pittsburgh. The idea that Pittsburgh is the underdog at Cincinnati, but the Bengals need to be on alert in that stadium that has a new name. And I can't remember what the name Paycor. is. But it's not Paul Brown. Anymore. Paycor. Uh, that's right. It is. Paycor? Pay, it's pay something. It's pay Joe Burrow. That's the, that's that's the whole purpose, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think they're on alert, and it's not going to be easy. And last year, you know, the Bengals had to scratch and claw week one against the Vikings and get that overtime win. They're gonna they're gonna have their hands more full this year than they did week one of last year. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The Seahawks definitely will have their hands full, Miles. The opening night of the season in Seattle, Monday Night Football, Russell Wilson, Let's rides the Broncos back into town, and we still don't know who the quarterback is going to be for Pete Carroll's team. Here he is from yesterday talking about how the guy who's been number two throughout the process, who missed five days last week due to a COVID diagnosis, who missed his opportunity to start on Thursday night against the Bears in week two of the preseason, can Drew Locke 
still catch Geno Smith. Here's Pete Carroll. Yeah, I'm wide open for whatever happens. You know, I mean, I, Gino's been the guy in the lead position the whole time, and I've protected that thought with, uh, you know, throughout. And, and he's done a really nice job. He's been very consistent. Um, so we'll just see what happens. And, and, you know, there's two more weeks of practice, too, after this. So there's where the timeline, I had a set thought on the, you know, what we would do with the timeline, but that got disrupted. And so um, we're, you know, we're going to use all the time we need. Would you ever consider playing two quarterbacks at once? That, that can happen. These guys are so even right now that you know um, that we have we have a lot of respect for both their play and so. Um, but I'm not thinking that way right now. I'm thinking of getting going, getting started, ready to roll, and, and all of that. Um, and Gino's in the mentality has been in that mentality the whole time, and that's that was very much by design. You know, I can go ahead and just call it, but I'm, I want to let the guys battle and let them show you know, where they are and let us get as much information as possible. Um, Gino's done a really good job of being in that position. Uh, his voice is solid. Uh, he's, he's on point all the time. He's been very consistent with his work, all of that. And Drew has been really sharp. You know, so what? You know, it's. I know it's not supposed to be a good situation when you have two quarterbacks. It means you don't have one, as the old saying. You know, but I don't know. That's we might have two ones. There's a lot to unpack there, but allow me allow me 30 seconds for a personal privilege here because I I I'm 13 years away from. Well, no, but I'm at least being courteous. Um, I I I just wonder if you get to 70, going on 71, and again, I'm 13 years away from that that situation. But if you have a full head of hair at that age. Are you kind of flexing on all the bald guys when you just roll out of bed and not comb it? Like, hey, you know, I don't care. It's there. I don't care what it looks like. I got it. And the rest of you 70-year-olds are either bald or wearing toupees. I don't know. I'm just I'm curious about that. And, again, I, I, I aspire to still have it. Some would say, well, all you have to do is keep your toupee on your head, and you will. But uh, maybe I will just roll out of bed 13 years from now and not care if I comb my hair, because it's there. That's the only thing that matters at that point. All right, far more importantly, uh, relatively speaking, to the the uh, hairdo habits of Pete Carroll uh, and the fact that he still has it, does he have a number one quarterback? I like the fact that he's aware of the old cliche, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. That's kind of what he's teetering toward. Miles, you made the observation last night that if you were a Seahawks fan, the prospect of both guys playing would be enough to drive you to drink. I thought you already did. I guess you would drink more. But I don't know what to make of this. I still think he wants Geno Smith to be the guy. But really? He's, I, I, I think deep down he does. But now I'm starting to think he's rooting for Drew Locke to overtake him. I mean, for weeks I thought he wants to go against Russell Wilson with Russell Wilson's understudy and have Russell Wilson's understudy beat Russell Wilson. But now I sense that he's still kind of hoping that Drew Locke wakes up and becomes the guy that maybe they thought he was going to be. What do you mean thought he was going to be? I mean, I – okay. And it's funny I say this because, like, I I like Drew Locke. I like his traits. That's something that, like, I have said since 2019 when I saw him play against the Raiders when I was covering the Raiders. And, like, I thought he did some good things. I think he has, like, some ability where if he's in the right scheme and if he's with the right offense and he's got the right weapons, then he can do some really positive things. But, I mean... I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you're talking about Drew Locke versus Geno Smith, it's like, well, what excites you more? Drew Locke versus Geno Smith or Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater last year? Like these quarterback competitions just kind of make you say, eh, I don't know. So, I mean, look, I, I kind of would like to see Drew Locke out there. I want to see what he can do. I mean, I don't I just don't put too much stock into preseason football. So whatever he's been doing behind the scenes, maybe that's why Pete Carroll is kind of like kind of revving him up a little bit in those press conferences, maybe trying to give him a little bit more confidence as he goes into this week since he was out, you know, with COVID last week. And he was supposed to start that game. And when you have that opportunity and through no fault of your own, it really gets taken away from you. Like that's kind of a tough thing to deal with. And Pete Carroll said he was really sick. So he comes back and we'll see what happens this week, I guess. But I don't know, man, like he, at least Pete Carroll even said it. Like you got two quarterbacks. You really don't have any. I, I firmly believe that. 
And right now they, they really do kind of have two backups, but we'll see what happens. And if Drew Locke can go out there and be successful or if Geno Smith can, I guess, I don't. And it could just be that Pete Carroll is choosing to be optimistic with Drew Locke so that if Locke doesn't get it done, it's not because he didn't sense that the coaching staff had faith in him. It's not because he believes he didn't get a fair opportunity. I keep thinking back to last year, though, because both Smith and Locke entered the season as backups, and they both eventually got a chance to play. And when Smith got his chance, he ran with it Thursday night. Russell Wilson all of a sudden out with a busted finger. They're chanting Geno Smith's name. It came down to a final drive, and yeah, he threw an interception, but the receiver fell down. Geno Smith was doing everything he could to try to beat the eventual Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams in primetime, thrust into the game without a moment's notice. Drew Locke, was when he finally got a chance, it, it, it wasn't good. And Vic Fangio, then the coach of the Broncos, said so. And I wonder how conscious Pete Carroll is of that. Now, I'm not suggesting that Carroll would say, well, Geno Smith would be better as a backup then when we need him. Because, it, But it's more about who, you, who can you really trust to embrace everything about the job, be consistent. That's been Drew Locke's biggest problem. He hasn't been consistent. I remember the Buzz Lightyear game against the Texans when I'm thinking, oh, this guy is going to be a star back in 2019, his rookie season. And it's it's up and it's down, and he gets injured, and he's not consistent. And Geno Smith has – see, I, I think Pete Carroll airs on Geno Smith because he is the, the perfect example of what Carroll wants. A try-hard guy, busts his ass – accepts the system, does everything that's requested of him and is ready to go at a moment's notice and now is ready to step into the top job. That's why I feel like Smith has the edge. And, hey, if you would go with two guys, I I remember vaguely when Steve Spurrier tried that during the year or so that he was the coach in Washington. It really undermines the notion of having a leader, of having your guy Hell, it's why the Patriots cut Cam Newton last year when they decided to go with Mac Jones. You don't want the locker room to be confused. You don't want it to be divided. You don't want any misunderstanding as to who the leader of the team is. But, you know, Miles, from a schematic standpoint, from a preparation standpoint, there isn't an advantage in forcing every defense to be ready for both guys and to not know when each one's going to come in. Um and just and just use both of them. Now, if if you if you if your offense, if the rest of your offense is comfortable with the idea that they're going to be catching passes from one guy this drive and another guy the next drive, and who knows who the drive after that, but there there is an advantage as it relates to the pressure it puts on each of your opponents. I I don't know. I mean, what the, the Panthers did this last year? When I mean, speaking of Cam Newton. They put Cam Newton in there and then like PJ Walker was sometimes playing right. And then like Sam Darnold comes back and sometimes it was Cam Newton. Sometimes it was Sam Darnold. Did that help them? No, because neither of those guys are particularly great quarterbacks anymore. And I say that with apologies to Cam Newton, because I know he was an MVP in 2015, but at this point, that's a long time ago, especially in NFL years. So I'm just, I just, I firmly believe in the saying that if you have two quarterbacks, you have two backups, you need somebody who's your guy. You need somebody who everybody can rally around. You need somebody who people know, okay, if I need a throw on third and seven, this is who we're looking to. It just, I think it sort of undermines everything you're trying to do when you don't have somebody who is your set QB1. Whoever wins that competition wins that competition, but they need to have a winner of that competition because you you cannot go into week one against the Broncos. I mean, you don't even have to tell everybody else who your starting quarterback is going to be. I mean, Pete Carroll can do whatever the hell he wants and say, "Eh, I don't know. It could be, it could be Geno Smith. It could be Drew Locke. And we could be doing that all the way up until that Monday night game. I don't have any problem with that. As long as the people who need to know, know exactly who the quarterback is, because you cannot go into the season without knowing who your quarterback is it's just it's not a good situation and that's a college football pro approach that that can work in a college football town where the head coach is the emperor and everyone's afraid of him and nobody will talk I think it's (laughs) virtually impossible to keep that under wraps somebody on that team is going to tell somebody who's going to tell somebody and we're going to know who's getting the first team reps unless they decide to split the first team reps 
but and keep everybody in the dark. But but I I I think part of this is just Pete Carroll is wired to never dismiss anything. Hey, oh yeah, I'm up for anything. Yeah, anything's possible. Yeah, we'll go with three quarterbacks. Jacob Eason too. Yeah, anything's possible. <laughs> And and I think it is part of the cat and mouse game, even though they're more mouse than cat when the Broncos come to town. But it is part of this effort to just keep people guessing as to what you're going to do, because right now you don't know. And that that underscores the point. After 10 years of Russell Wilson being the unquestioned starting quarterback, you know, people say, and I remember this at the time, how brave Pete Carroll was to go with the rookie Russell Wilson instead of Matt Flynn when they gave him $10 million guaranteed when $10 million guaranteed was a lot for a quarterback. Well, no, it was a no-brainer. Everybody knew, everybody who was at practice knew that Russell Wilson was clearly the better option. There was nothing brave about it. The brave thing would have been to stick with Matt Flynn after everybody saw that Wilson was the better candidate. Clearly, we're not at that point. Both guys are still vying for the job, and one of them, we think, will be the starter when week one rolls around, although you never know what ultimately is going to happen. And the good news is, they both have each other's back. This isn't a situation where you have to clear out the guy who doesn't win the job, like the Patriots had to do with Cam Newton. Geno Smith has said very positive things about Locke. Locke has said positive things about Geno Smith. They really are in this together, and I think they realize. In a competition like this, I've said this time and again, when you win the job week one, you also win the right to be the first guy benched. Because how many times <laughs> have we seen... Now, Teddy Bridgewater never really got benched last year. He got injured. But... Right. You always see the second guy play at some point. And in a situation like this, yeah. But, Mike, I mean, you keep trying to drive a wedge between these two guys on this team, and I'm not going to do it. So you can drive quit a wedge. I'm not trying to drive a wedge, Nick. <laughs> I'm not. I like a good story, and there's nothing better than the idea that both guys would play week one. I mean, think about that. No, that's not a good come, story. G- it's just Gino's- bad. It's uh, not good. No, I, I refuse bad, to go bad along football, with that. Bad football, good story. Bad football, good story. No, Wouldn't it be something if they used both quarterbacks story. and beat Russell Wilson? No. That would be a Ugh. hell of a Tuesday morning. While I you're sound so. asleep out there somewhere <laughs> in the Los Angeles area, and Sims and I are breaking down what happened, if it's Geno Smith and Drew Locke, each completing, you know, 10 of 20 passes and they, they, total team effort, and they beat Russell Wilson. I, I wish they were playing that game later. That's just too good of a game to play right out of the gates because we really don't want to think about the teams. I'd li- I, I, thought it would be, I thought it would be like a week four. I thought it would be a perfect week four game, just like Brady back to New England last year. Let the season – get a little sweat going on the season before you have a game like that. But either way – Seahawks, uh, they got to jump right into the deep end of the pool, and we don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Could it be Jimmy Garoppolo? Who knows? There's still that thought out there that at some point the 49ers are going to cut Garoppolo, and maybe the Seahawks at that point will say, hey, this guy's better than the two we have. I don't know what the saying is. You know, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. What if you have three quarterbacks? Who knows? Here's John Lynch talking about the timeline for making a decision on – Jimmy Garoppolo's roster status in, St- in San Francisco. Hey, John, what would you suspect the uh, timeline would be with Garoppolo? Do you think this will come right down to the, the deadline of whether you have to release him or guarantee him? Yeah, you know, I think we're getting pretty close. Um, you know, from the beginning, you know, I think our take has been that, you know, Jimmy's a good, uh, a good player. He's a starting quarterback all day long in this league and I think proven to be a, a really good one. Uh, and just look at the record. Look at where he's taken us. And so with guys like that, you, you don't just give it away. And uh, I think there's been some complications that have been much chronicled with his injury. Um, the good news is he's, he's kind of come out of that. And, um, you know, no one's, no one's really, uh, you know, presented something that would make us jump uh, as to now. So I think the options, not much has changed. The options are open, but just like always, you know, having some sort of a deadline tends to force action on these things and we'll see. And if not, you know, I think everything's open and uh, I'm just, uh, you know, proud of Jimmy that he's handled it so well. Literally, who will rid me of this meddlesome priest in Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, we finally worked it in, but not quite the same idea but the uh, they're they're trying to sell this car and nobody wants to buy it hey i got this really nice car that you should want 
somebody out there should really want this car. And I have a, a price on it that reflects the fact that it's a valuable car. Why won't anybody call me? I got the for sale sign. I got the phone number. I checked to make sure it's the right number. Please call me and offer me something that I think this car is worth. And there continues to be, and I don't know if it's BS or it truly is a sense that they're perplexed by the fact that no one recognizes how great Jimmy Garoppolo is. Well, you're the ones that have decided to get rid of him. What do you expect What do you expect? You decided last year, we can't win with this guy. Let's go draft a rookie that we don't know whether or not he's going to be any good. And now this year, they're going into the fire with Trey Lance, not knowing whether he's going to be any good. And Jimmy Garoppolo's done. And Miles, look, the the, the two key dates are August 30, six days from today when the rosters go to 53, and then September 10. If he's on the roster at 4 p.m. Eastern on September 10, the day before they play their week one game at Chicago, his $24.2 million base salary is, as a practical matter, guaranteed. And they pay it out to him in 18 chunks, one week at a time. But if they cut him, because he's a vested veteran under the CBA, he has the right determination pay, and he gets all that money with no offset if he goes and plays somewhere else if he's cut at some point. And I could see them hold him until the trade deadline, and then after that, maybe do an OBJ deal where he, he gives up some of his termination pay to get free to go sign with someone. But would they really be? And I know Jed York pops off about this from time to time, and I think that's just noise. Would Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch really devote $24.2 million or half of that amount or 75% of that? Money could go to other players like Nick Bosa, other players that are going to emerge as stars this year you want to keep. Would they really do that? just so they can continue to squat on a guy that maybe they can pull a Carson Palmer rabbit out of the hat right before the trade deadline like the Bengals did when Palmer quit on them 11 years ago and they managed to trade him to the Raiders. I just I I I I guess I can't rule out anything, but it just seems like it would be really dumb for them to guarantee 24.2 million dollars when it's obvious no one wants Jimmy Garoppolo and you are just waiting for someone to tear an ACL or blow out an Achilles and, and give you something for this guy that you're going to otherwise pay all this money to. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, as a practical matter, I don't, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo really wants to be there either. I mean, it's what they're doing is a very weird thing, right? He's, he's at the 49ers facility. He's on a throwing program. So he's like away from everybody else but he's still there, but he's not participating in the meeting. So even if Trey Lance were to, you know, knock on wood, like go down, like Jimmy Garoppolo really would not be prepared to lead the 2022 version of the San Francisco offense at this point, because he has not been a part of the offseason program of minicamp or really even of training camp. So the fact that they like could keep him on the roster, they have the salary flexibility, let's call it to, to keep him there. Like, I guess they could do it, but I don't think they want to do it. I, they have they have moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo. He, he's basically there, but he's not there. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo wants to be out of there. I think Kyle Shanahan would probably prefer it if he was out of there so that he would have to you know, not answer questions about him anymore. I mean, Shanahan said yesterday that any scenario is possible, but like, I don't know, man. I just, it just doesn't seem... Like, that's something that's really going to be uh, – oh, but you you made, like, the car analogy. I think it's great, man. Because, like, so I drive a GTI, right? And then there's a, a, a car dealership down the street, a, a GTI that was a couple, you know, model years newer than mine. I go and I test drive it. And apparently, like, I said online, it's got leather, it's got the upgraded stereo, it's got this and it's got that, right? But I go test drive it and it has none of those things. And so I'm like, well, no, I don't really want this car because my car has more features. Even though it's older, it's a better car. So like you can have any of these scenarios. And if you're like the Texans, for instance, well, this Davis Mills, he does some things that maybe Jimmy Garoppolo can do, but we actually want to see what he can do. We've already got a car. We've already got a quarterback. So we don't necessarily need your guy. What are we going to give you like a third round pick for when we've already got somebody who's a third round pick and maybe he can do something with Pep Hamilton as his offensive coordinator. So I get why around the league, 
people aren't just clamoring to go get Jimmy Garoppolo, even though, at least in my mind, he's like a 15 to 20 quarterback. I think he's closer to 20 than 15, but still, that would put him better than a third of the league, even if he's 20. There's 12 starting quarterbacks worse than him. The complicating factor is the $24.2 million salary. you got to work out a deal with him and the 49ers to make this fit. And if they do get lucky, and they very well may, it would be very unlucky for another team. But if there is a Teddy Bridgewater scenario that happens at some point between now and September 10, problem solved. Somebody becomes desperate. Somebody gives them what they want. Now, it, it could be that whoever is interested in a quarterback tries to leverage the Panthers and the 49ers against each other because maybe there's a path to Sam Darnold that would be cheaper than Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know. I don't know. But I think he's at least in play now, even if Garoppolo is the better option. But at least it's not as hopeless as it was for the Vikings, who just had to cough up a one and a four for Sam Bradford for crying out loud. So um, that's what they're hoping for. And I've had people say to me, oh, that's bad karma. But that's the business. That's what they're doing. Why would you cut him now? Why would you cut him and let him walk to Seattle and get full opportunity to get ready for week one? Because week two entails playing the 49ers. Why would you just give him away, especially if he's not? See, that's the one thing that's been lost in all this. He's not agitating to be released because he understands if lightning strikes somewhere else, he gets his 24.2. Or, hey. And this is where the comment specifically was made yesterday when Kyle Shanahan said, I think any scenario is possible. It was in response to the question of whether or not he could end up playing for the 49ers. If Trey Lance gets injured, if Trey Lance, if Trey, I mean, we see it all the time. A quarterback for one of these teams suffers a season ending injury in the first few weeks of the season. If that's Trey Lance, do you think they're not going to say to Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, we know you haven't been going to the meetings at our mutual agreement, but right. Come play for us. You want your 24.2. Here's how you get it. So you can't rule that out either. I mean, that would be the ultimate. And again, I don't know if it's irony, but that would be the ultimate outcome. If after all this, Lance is the one who gets injured and Garoppolo is the guy who saves the day in San Francisco. I think that would be irony and not just the Alanis Morissette kind, because that would be the unexpected thing since Jimmy Garoppolo is the one who has consistently gotten hurt and hasn't been able to get them over the hump. But what, my gosh, what if, you know, Trey Lance, who is the one that's supposed to replace him, does get hurt? Yeah, I feel like that is actually the proper use of irony. Congrats. And, and at a time when they are waiting for someone else to suffer a season-ending starting quarterback injury, it happens to them. It's layers of irony. So, uh, 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 so uh. I think they're going to keep him beyond August 30. The real question, okay. which, and Peter King raised this point in Football Morning in America within the past couple of weeks. You know, you get, I know when you get down to the final spot on the roster, you're not talking about a future Hall of Famer. You're not talking about a guy that's going to make a difference. You see the rosters churn all year long in those last few spots. But still, that's a job that could go to a guy that may help you at some point, and you're going to have to cut him, and you're going to have to hope he makes it through waivers. And then you're going to have to sign into the practice squad if you want to keep him around. And ultimately what it does, it's going to, it's going to bump one guy out of the building. It's going to bump somebody off the practice squad unless the guy you cut at number 53 gets claimed on waivers and that guy's gone. He's gone because you were too stubborn to cut Jimmy Garoppolo. It's fascinating to me. And I just wonder whether they're on the same page in the building about what to do. Are there voices saying... Let's just be done with this. Let's just get rid of this guy. Why are we playing this game? This is a stupid-ass game. Let's just save the $24.2 million. Let's just admit no one wants to buy this car, and let's move on. I wonder, between Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, Parag Marate, Jed York, anyone else with a voice in that organization, if somebody is saying we should just rip the Band-Aid off and move forward. Well, you know what's funny, Mike? I mean, I don't cover the 49ers every day, obviously, but, you know, when we were at, Shereen and I were at, you weren't, uh, the owners' meetings in March, like, I, the, since I got talking to Kyle Shanahan at that breakfast was like, yeah, guys, like, we, we've moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo. I, that, well, that was in March, right? And so now we're in August. And if there is a voice that's in the building that's like, why, why aren't we just done with this? I could believe that it would be Kyle Shanahan. 
because like, look, I know he said any scenario was possible. And I think maybe he actually believes that, but at the same time, it's like, as we, we made this decision to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo last year when we went up and we traded and got Trey Lance. And then we kind of put him in a Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith situation where he's sitting for a year because we already feel like we've got a quarterback who can take us to the playoffs, but we don't necessarily think that that guy can lead us to a Super Bowl victory. Now we see what, look, here's Trey Lance. It's Trey Lance's team. We always knew that this was going to be the case. I know Jimmy Garoppolo was still here, but like as a practical matter, he's not. So let's just make the practical matter a real thing. I can see Kyle Shanahan thinking that. And, and I think last year, Sims is convinced based on, we talked about this in 21, when they played the Chargers in a preseason game, that there were opportunities for Lance to, to seize the job. And he thinks Shanahan wanted Lance to seize it last year, and he just didn't. So they kept Garoppolo mm-hmm. for a year. And, and I know they've been talking about keeping him for two years. Now, at one point, the story from Jed York was keeping him and playing him. See, Jed yes. York's now trying to, trying to step away from a Joe Montana, Steve Young thing into this idea that they just keep Garoppolo on the bench because he's a good quarterback and, you know, you can't have enough good I, – I don't know what – is ultimately going to happen because I don't think they know what they're ultimately going to do. But, and we've seen them do some stupid things for as good as that team has been. They didn't evaluate Patrick Mahomes. No, they've done stupid things at quarterback. They didn't evaluate Patrick Mahomes because they thought they were getting Kirk cousins in free agency the following year. They traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. And then once they paid him, he ghosted them for the rest of the off season until it was time to show up for OTAs instead of waiting to get Kirk cousins. They said, no, thanks to Tom Brady when he wanted to play for the 49ers in 2020, one of the various teams that was talking to Brady, tampering, talking to Brady, eventually said, no thanks, we're sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo. I I think that they got desperate last year. They freaked out after they saw Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl playing against each other. They freaked out. They traded up. Whether they knew who they were going to get or not, they don't They just, we got to get somebody. And now they're still dealing with this, this awkward disengagement with Jimmy Garoppolo, and uh, we'll see. Maybe he'll be there on the roster week one when they play the Bears in Chicago. Let's take a break. Week one, Baker Mayfield will be on the field as the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers against the Browns. How does Miles Garrett feel about facing Baker Mayfield in week one? We'll let you hear from Miles Garrett next on this Wednesday edition of PFT. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 